Section twenty eight of the Letters of Jane Austen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Letter sixty six. Twenty three Hans Place, Wednesday, November thirtieth, eighteen fourteen. I am very much obliged to you, my dear Fanny, for your letter, and I hope you will write again soon, that I may know you to be all safe and happy at home. Our visit to Hendon will interest you, I am sure, but I need not enter into the particulars of it, as your papa will be able to answer almost every question. I certainly could describe her bedroom and her drawers and her closet better than he can, but I do not feel that I can stop to do it. I was rather sorry to hear that she is to have an instrument. It seems throwing money away. They will wish the twenty-four guineas in the shape of sheets and towels six months hence, and as to her playing, it never can be anything. Her purple police rather surprised me. I thought we had known all paraphernalia of that sort. I do not mean to blame her. It looked very well, and I dare say she wanted it. I suspect nothing worse than its being got in secret, and not owned to anybody. I received a very kind note from her yesterday, to ask me to come again, and stay a night with them. I cannot do it, but I was pleased to find that she had the power of doing so right a thing. My going was to give them both pleasure very properly. I just saw Mr. Hayter at the play, and I think his face would please me on acquaintance. I was sorry he did not dine here. It seemed rather odd to me to be in the theatre with nobody to watch for. I was quite composed myself, at leisure for all the agitated Isabella could raise. Now, my dearest Fanny, I will begin a subject which comes in very naturally. You frighten me out of my wits by your reference. Your affection gives me the highest pleasure, but indeed you must not let anything depend on my opinion. Your own feelings and nothing but your own should determine such an important point. So far, however, as answering your question, I have no scruple. I am perfectly convinced that your present feelings, supposing that you were to marry now, would be sufficient for his happiness. But when I think how very far it is from a now, and take everything that may be into consideration, I dare not say, determine to accept him. The risk is too great for you, unless your own sentiments prompt it. You will think me perverse, perhaps. In my last letter I was urging everything in his favour, and now I am inclining the other way. But I cannot help it. I am at present more impressed with the possible evil that may arise to you from engaging yourself to him, in word or mind, than with anything else. When I consider how few young men you have yet seen much of, how capable you are—yes, I do still think you very capable—of being really in love, and how full of temptation the next six or seven years of your life will probably be, it is the very period of life the strongest attachments to be formed. I cannot wish you, with your present very cool feelings, to devote yourself in honour to him. It is very true that you may never attach another man his equal altogether, but if that other man has the power of attaching you more, he will be, in your eyes, the most perfect. I shall be glad if you can revive past feelings, and from your unbiased self resolve to go on as you have done, but this I do not expect, and without it I cannot wish you to be fettered. 
I should not be afraid of your marrying him. With all his worth you would soon love him enough for the happiness of both. But I should dread the continuance of this sort of tacit engagement, with such an uncertainty as there is of when it may be completed. Years may pass before he is independent. You like him well enough to marry, but not well enough to wait. The unpleasantness of appearing fickle is certainly great, but if you think you want punishment for past illusions, there it is, and nothing can be compared to the misery of being bound without love, bound to one, and preferring another. That is a punishment which you do not deserve. I know you did not meet, or rather will not meet, to-day, as he called here himself, yesterday, and I am glad of it. It does not seem very likely, at least, that he should be in time for a dinner visit sixty miles off. We did not see him, only found his card when we came home at four. Your uncle H. merely observed that he was a day after the fair. We asked your brother on Monday, when Mr. Hayter was talked of, why he did not invite him too, saying, I know he is in town, for I met him the other day in Bond Street. Edward answered that he did not know where he was to be found. Don't you know his chambers? No. I shall be most glad to hear from you again, my dearest Fanny, but it must not be later than Saturday, as we shall be off on Monday long before the letters are delivered, and write something that may do to be read or told. I am to take the Miss Moores back on Saturday, and when I return I shall hope to find your pleasant little flowing scrawl on the table. It'll be a relief to me after playing at Marm's, for though I like Miss H. M. as much as one can at my time of life after a day's acquaintance, it is uphill work to be talking to those whom one knows so little. Only one comes back with me to-morrow, probably Miss Eliza, and I rather dread it. We shall not have two ideas in common. She is young, pretty, chattering, and thinking chiefly, I presume, of dress, company, and admiration. Mr. Sanford is to join us at dinner, which will be a comfort, and in the evening, while your uncle and Miss Eliza play chess, he shall tell me comical things, and I will laugh at them, which will be a pleasure to both. I called in Keppel Street and saw them all, including dear Uncle Charles, who is to come and dine with us quietly to-day. Little Harriet sat in my lap, and seemed as gentle and affectionate as ever, and as pretty, except not being quite well. Fanny is a fine, stout girl, talking incessantly, and with an interesting degree of lisp and indistinctness, and very likely may be the handsomest in time. Cassie did not show more pleasure in seeing me than her sisters, but I expected no better. She does not shine in the tender feelings. She will never be a Miss O'Neill, more in the Mrs. Siddons line. Thank you, but it is not settled yet whether I do hazard a second edition. We are to see Egerton to-day, when it will probably be determined. People are more ready to borrow and praise than to buy, which I cannot wonder at. But though I like praise as well as anybody, I like what Edward calls pewter, too. I hope he continues careful of his eyes, and finds the good effect of it. I cannot suppose we differ in our ideas of the Christian religion. You have given an excellent description of it. We only affix a different meaning to the word evangelical. Yours most affectionately, J. Austen. Letter 67 Chawton, Friday, September 29th. 
My dear Anna, we told Mr. B. Lefroy that if the weather did not prevent us, we should certainly come and see you to-morrow, and bring Cassie, trusting to your being good enough to give her a dinner at about one o'clock, that we might be able to be with you the earlier, and stay the longer. But on giving Cassie her choice between the fair at Alton or Wyatt's, it must be confessed that she has preferred the former, which we trust will not greatly affront you. If it does, you may hope that some little Anne hereafter may revenge the insult by a similar preference of an Alton fair to her cousin Cassie. In the meanwhile, we have determined to put off our visit to you until Monday, which we hope will be not less convenient. I wish the weather may not resolve on another put-off. I must come to you before Wednesday, if it be possible, for on that day I am going to London for a week or two with your uncle Henry, who is expected here on Sunday. If Monday should appear too dirty for walking, and Mr. Lefroy would be so kind as to come and fetch me, I should be much obliged to him. Cassie might be of the party, and your aunt Cassandra will take another opportunity. Yours very affectionately, my dear Anna. J. Austen Note by Lord Brabourne. But before the week or two to which she had limited her visit in Hans Place was at an end, her brother fell ill, and on October 22nd he was in such danger that she wrote to Steventon to summon her father to town. The letter was two days on the road, and reached him on Sunday the 24th. Even then he did not start immediately. In the evening he and his wife rode to Chawton, and it was not until the next day that he and Cassandra arrived in Hans Place. The malady from which Henry Austin was suffering was low fever, and he was for some days at death's door. But he rallied soon after his brother and sisters arrived, and recovered so quickly that the former was able to leave him at the end of the week. The great anxiety and fatigue which Jane underwent at this time was supposed by some of her family to have broken down her health. She was in a very feeble and exhausted condition when the bank in which her brother Henry was a partner broke, and he not only lost all that he possessed, but most of his relations suffered severely also. Jane was well enough to pay several visits with her sister in the summer of 1816, including one to Steventon, the last she ever paid to that home of her childhood. The last note which Mrs. Lefroy had preserved is dated. Letter 68 June 23rd 1816. My dear Anna, Cassie desires her best thanks for the book. She was quite delighted to see it. I do not know when I have seen her so much struck by anybody's kindness as on this occasion. Her sensibility seems to be opening to the perception of great actions. These gloves having appeared on the pianoforte ever since you were here on Friday, we imagine they must be yours. Mrs. Digweed returned yesterday, through all the afternoon's rain, and was, of course, wet through. But in speaking of it she never once said, it was beyond everything, which I am sure it must have been. Your mamma means to ride to Speen Hill to-morrow to see the Mrs. Hulberts, who are both very indifferent. By all accounts they really are breaking now. Not so stout as the old jackass. Yours affectionately, J. A. End of section 28